broadcasting, which is what I'm doing now. How about now? It's broadcasting now. Is let you in. There's a bunch of attendees joining. <laughs> Who are going to hear and see you? Hey, everybody. <laughs> We're having some technical difficulties with one of our uh, attend or one of our moderators. So give us a few minutes to try to get him in. That's what Adam's doing. Tech support. We also had a error in a copy that went out that said that the meeting was postponed and is by no hey, means. Paul no Trump means is in as a participant. Can you bring him in as a panelist? Yeah. Let me find him. He's in. He's on mute and no video at this point. He's only in on audio, which may be all we can do. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, Trump. Why can't you see me? It's so weird. It's Chris. like I didn't get a, a participant invite. Oh, I got I got a register in, registrant invite. Well, everybody's on, so Chris, they just won't get to see your lovely face. That's the only that's the only no issue. So, so. No problem. Um, that's, that's a benefit for all. Yeah, it is. I, I do. I love Everybody you. got a free upgrade yeah, today. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, again, sorry, everybody. Uh, if you got a postponement email, that was a, I, I copied the last um, webinar we did and forgot to go into the, the reminder notification email and tell it that uh, to say something different. So, thanks for coming. Paul Sponsia, CEO of the IT company, wearing my signature uh, technical person hoodie today and uh, coming to you from San Francisco, but I'm really not. And uh, we've got Adam Slack uh, again from Two Roads and we have uh, Chris Trump who presents as our Christopher Trump. He is not on video. He is only on audio. And uh, we're here to do part three of the uh, PPP webinar. The SBA dropped the um, forgiveness application and there's been some other updates and stuff over the past maybe week and a half, two weeks. And so we want to give um, everybody an update and allow everybody to, uh, to jump in uh, towards, while we're talking, please ask questions, do all that stuff as well. And we'll try to get to this. So we're gonna try to do 40 minutes of uh, content and 20 minutes of questions, but we may interrupt in the time frame too. So I'm gonna stop talking because as usual on this topic, I bring very little value and I'm gonna turn it over to Adam and Chris who are going to uh, kind of run the show. Thanks, Paul. Chris, uh, do you wanna kick us off or you want me to? Yeah, sure, so um, there was a couple of uh, pieces of guidance that came out um, this. We losing? Okay. You're back. I'm back, all right, there we go. Um, and so, uh, we are, uh, this is the first time I've actually tried this on our, our firm's uh, web uh, Wi-Fi, so I guess we'll get to see how good it is. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, a couple of pieces of information came out this past weekend. Uh, obviously, the most important, which probably, uh, you know, really for most everyone, is some guidance we've been waiting for a long time, and that is related to the, the loan forgiveness portion of this, um, you know, as um, mo most of you on this call um, have, uh, has most of you probably have a PPP loan that's out there. And uh, one of the big great features is that um, uh, the loan will be forgiven if it's used properly and uh, you don't forfeit that right by, um, by laying off people and, and not rehiring them. 
uh, or reducing their wages. So that that some some information for that has come out over the weekend with the, the application and instructions for um, for the application for forgiveness. Um, in addition, there was a small uh, kind of another kind of update. I thought it was kind of helpful um, for to cover briefly, just to kind of get that out of the way. We thought Adam would, would if you go ahead and take it, but there was some initially there was some some um, a lack of clarity as to how to handle partnerships. And yep. a lot of people applied for PPP loans and uh, were, were not permitted to get the full loan amount. They include by, they weren't allowed to include the amount they pay their partners. Um, and so uh, guidance came out subsequent, um, which made it clear that um, you, you can get that amount and the, and the partnership itself will be the one who, who applies for it. So why don't you explain that, Adam? You were on a roll there, Trump. I thought you'd just go ahead and run with it. Um, what Chris and I did was we tried to break down for this application. Oh, there's Chris. We got the video going. Um, what we tried to do was break down from this application uh, probably about eight points that we see as potential changes from what we understood it to be before. And so as Chris was pointed out, one of the first ones is partnerships. Now, this one was a little bit of a funky one, um, and seasonal employees for that matter. It was a little bit weird because some institutions, some bank institutions were saying, yeah, sure, come on through. Um, in the first pass with partnerships, other financial institutions were saying, no, it doesn't count. Uh, unfortunately, those partners could also not apply for any kind of 1099 coverage as well. So they were kind of left out in the cold. Well, the SBA has come back and said, no, you actually can uh, apply for this as the partnership. So the calculation is just the same as it was the first pass through. So you want to get back with your financial institution if you were denied for at a partnership level. And it's not 8,000 a month. Chris, you had the exact number. It was like 15,000. 15,385, yeah. 15,385, a number that will live in infamy with us forever. Um, if you make more than that over a two-month period, then, you know, it's just a two and a half X your pay. If you make less than that, it's two and a half, um, which you were pulling out before. So you want to rerun that calculation on your partnerships and take it back to your bank to reapply if you so choose. Um, you know, but the, again, some institutions were letting this fly through the first pass and some weren't. Seasonal employees apply the same way. Uh, it's a little bit nuanced. So with that, because there's about a thousand different variations that we could go through, we're not going to talk through the calculation. But if you feel like when you ran through the application the first time, your base coverage period or what you used did not cover your seasonal employees that you're currently in the middle of hiring right now, you want to use the same logic and go back to your financial institution um, to let them help you run through that from a two and a half times that potential payroll period so that you're covered through this season. Um, so that's good news for us. It's just a matter of going back and reapplying. A little clarification, just to understand from my perspective, if I applied and was given and, and received funds, but with this new guidance, I can go, I can go back and receive more is what you're saying now. If your partnership was excluded. So some institutions, we had a couple of clients, for example, at some banks, which I won't name, um, who came back and said, no, 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 if you're, if it's a partnership, the partners cannot be included in payroll. And so they pulled them out when they ran through the, the application. So it, if that true. happened to you. Yeah. Sorry. I was just saying that's true. Even though partners, the portion of the, the, the distributions to the partners are actually subject to payroll taxes. Right. And, and they still were not allowing them to, which, which I, I mean, when you look at the, the statute itself, I could understand why they would be hesitant because, because it, it doesn't sound like it. Um, right. But a dish clarification came out um, in the middle of April, which basically said, no, they can partner, but the partnership applies and, and then just includes that, that portion of on the K1 for each of their partners in the calculation for its loan amount. 
So. All right, Trump, Trump, I'll kick the next question over to you. The, um... Sounds good. So, um, so just to cover the application, just kind of, uh, so, um, so the SBA released the application along with instructions, detailed instructions on how to fill it out. Um, and uh, there were, it did answer quite a few questions we've been, we've had along the way. Um, one thing it did not come with, I, I thought this was kind of funny, I saw this in one of the articles that covered this. Um, un unfortunately, it did not also come with blueprints for a time machine to go back in time to actually, you know, uh, apply the money like like you would have wanted to, to to fit this application. So, uh, unfortunately, we're four weeks in, and um, in, most the, in most of these scenarios where there was some question about uh, how you could do things, the you know, this is kind of what I mentioned in the last, I really kind of anticipated that there would be some, the, the, the doubt would go to the benefit of the borrower. And in most instances, it, it, it did. Um, there still are some additional questions that have, that have not yet been answered. Um, and so the hope is that this is not everything they're going to send out on loan forgiveness. There's still a ton of questions folks have um, that the, the loan and the application instructions don't really cover, but there are some that it did, did answer. So, so the, the, the way that we're going to kind of, uh, uh, handle this is to kind of like, okay, where, what did we know before this came out? And then now what clarifications or new information did we get from the application and the loan process that the, um, and the instructions and in filling it out? Um, you know, we, we're not going to actually walk you through filling out uh, the application. However, um, your, you know, your banker can help you with that. We can help you with that, you know, individually. It's just it, everyone's scenario is, is, is so different. Uh, their situation is so different. It wouldn't benefit people to the most, for the most part. Um, so, but in that regard, um, one of the first things that it clarified was that eight-week period. Adam, do you want to take that, that first? Yep, sorry. I was answering a question in the Q&A here. Um, uh, sorry, let me finish that. Uh, um, yes, the eight-week period. It was initially saying that you could only use from the eight week period from the time the funds were deposited until eight weeks prior to that. But the way we're, and Trump, actually, I probably, let me pull back that up. Um, but it's actually 56 days from the first payroll after the PPP funding. So if payroll is paid bi weekly, so an example they give the PPP, let's say the PPP was funded on 420 and the covered period is until 614. However, if your first payroll period is like 426, then you can go to 620. So it's a 56 day period from when your payroll was after that. So they're trying to kind of help mitigate the questions from our last one where we were saying, no, just trust the eight week period and you're going to get caught up in the payroll. So there's a little bit of nuance there. Um, yeah. So know, they basically created a, sec a second eight week period that you can use that, that's different from the other non-payroll related stuff. Um, that begins on the first pay date after you receive the loan proceeds, right? So the right. Other, all the other non-payroll stuff still is the eight-week period. Once still you get the same eight-week period. Gotcha. Yeah. Can you, can you, can you uh, one person just asked if you can repeat that. And I, I would say the same thing. I was, and there's a little clarification because one of the questions that came up a lot was, if I get it on the 20th and my first payroll is the 21st, does that payroll period count? So does that change that? No, that payroll period counts, but your eight weeks is for payroll specifically, your eight weeks is from your first payroll date. Okay. So let's say you get it on the, again, we'll use the 20th. Your face payroll period is on the 24th. Well, then your eight week period for payroll specifically starts on the 24th, not the 20th. Everything uh, else is starting from the 20th. And uh, so you've got a little bit of a gap here on, you know, the 25% non-payroll related uh, items 
are from the 20th, your 75% or above payroll related items start on the 24th. And the clarification period is. And the clarification being again that the 24th included stuff before the 20th, and that's fine. So cash basis from payroll perspective is the way yeah. we understand it. We'll, we'll, okay. touch, we'll touch base on that in just a second. Right now, the, the big focus is, is when you're talking about the eight-week period after receiving your loan, um, generally it means for all the non-payroll expenses, it means the date you receive loan proceeds and you know, 56 days, the date 56 days later. Um, but you have the option as a borrower to elect to instead start the eight-week period for specifically for payroll costs on the date of your first pay pay period, okay, pay period, you know that pay date, that after you receive the fund. So so it just gives you an alternative. They call it alternative payroll cover period. So it just it you'll see throughout the application the application for forgiveness and the instructions that reference either the the covered period or the alternate alternative payroll cover period. Um, and so as you're looking at it, wages and employee numbers and stuff, you're going to be looking at the alternative payroll period, um, as, as well as in terms of calculating your payroll costs. So, so that's that's a big, pretty big clarification. Now, to touch on the, what you just the question you just asked, Paul, um, there also um, you know the CARES Act described um, you know what is eligible for free. Like, if you use the loan proceeds for these eligible costs expenses, then it will be forgiven if you satisfy their requirements, right? And so the term that they used were in covering these, talking about these payroll costs and other eligible expenses was they, if you incurred and paid them during the eight week period, okay? Um, the problem there was we had a lot of questions as to, uh, we, we knew that you were eligible for forgiveness to the extent you used the loan proceeds to pay payroll expenses, rent, mortgage interest and utilities and those things that existed as of February 15th that is. Um, and but that paid incurred was really confusing everyone create a lot of confusion So just the question you might ask is if if you pay it on the first pay payroll on the very first day You get proceeds and it relates to the two weeks prior. Is that covered? So we were we were un, we weren't sure about a lot of that stuff um, And what has come out is basically if it they have generally the rule is now if it's paid or incurred during the applicable eight-week period then then you are going to get to include that as an expense that's eligible for forgiveness in essence. Uh, so there's three categories I wanna just kind of break it up into. You've got uh, expenses that, payroll expenses and other expenses that are incurred during the eight week period and paid during the eight week period. That's very obvious, it's inclusive. We've always known that. That was the safest bet, don't include anything else up, up until we got this clarification. The second category is, is, is expenses that were incurred during the eight week period, okay, um, and paid after the eight week period. Well, the uh, instructions and application make it clear that uh, as long as it's, it's paid as of the very next date that it's scheduled to be paid. So for it, let's take rent, for example. Let's say you've got rent uh, that you pay at the first of the month and your, your eight week period ends in the middle of the month, okay? So you've got two weeks that are going to be in your eight-week period that uh, that you have not actually paid rent for yet, okay? And is and they're saying you, that allocable portion of the next month's rent for that two-week period it can be included in their calculation of your rent expenses for determining forgiveness, 
So, so, so those expenses that were occurred during the period and paid after, um, those are going to permit. Um, and then the third category is those that were incurred prior to the eight-week period and paid during the eight-week period. And for that, for that's not specifically addressed. Like it's not um, like the other two are specifically addressed in the instructions. But the way that they address them, it seems pretty clear that if it was incurred prior and paid during, um, that that it's going to be for, forgive part of the, the forgiveness calculation. So, um, so that's a big that's a big win for a lot of folks trying to figure out. Like if you were behind in your rent, for instance, and then you 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 paid it on you know, during that eight week period, the last month's rent, you're going to get credit for that. Um, subject to, of course, the twenty five percent limitation. Right. Essentially, it feels like they're allowing us to double dip there, right? I mean, it's kind of saying you can pay it in the front end and the back end on this. I mean, it's the way it's it's again yeah. how it's reading really today. Exactly. That was, those were questions we had and they basically resolved both of those in favor of the borrower. Right. Right. So the extent, I mean, the, the idea is that um, they're trying to get money flowing. There would be, there's no real reason to try and prevent it. There's a couple of questions that aren't answered in this though. Um, so accelerate, accelerated payments. Um, so the cares that make real clear that you can't prepay mortgage interest. That's really all it says. Um, the instructions don't talk about what if you want to prepay your rent. Um, you know, that's rent on real property and personal property. You want, what if you want to accelerate some salary in that eight week period and, and pay that? Uh, what about other payroll costs? Like uh, the one you see most common, I think I've already seen a, a question pop up is, you know, retirement contributions or maybe your healthcare premiums, you pay them early, you know, um, to, can you actually include those in, uh, as a forgive, if you use your loan proceeds, will it be forgiven for, to pay those? Um, and the answer to that is, is we don't know. Um, uh, I would, you know, from, from my perspective, rent looks an awful lot like mortgage interest payments. And so I probably be real hesitant to do that myself. Um, you know, um, salary and wages. Um, there, there's so much detail on what salary and wages you can actually include that the leaving this, that, that question open, I think begs the question of whether you're kind of being a little too greedy if you try to do that. Um, you know, uh, other payroll costs like retirement contributions, I can make a pretty good argument for retirement contributions. But then the question is, do you out, is it just the eight week allocable period that, you know, that you would like, would you prorate it? Eight fifty seconds of, you know, of your annual, you know, retirement contribution. Um, and so that, those are good, those are good questions. I think if you did the eight fifty seconds, you're probably going to be pretty, you know, even though you don't have a retirement contribution that's due during the eight week period, you probably could go ahead and make it. If it, if it, if you limit it to eight fifty seconds, I think they'd probably, I'd feel pretty safe with that. Uh, could you do the whole first half of the year? Probably. I think that's probably something I feel a little safe, safe doing, safer doing. Um, I don't, I do not think I would try and make my entire year's payroll con, you know, uh, retirement contribution in the eight week period and try and claim that is, um, you know, going to be forgiven. Um, the other question that's not answered is what about raises, you know, that you, you know, additional salary, uh, and bon or bonuses to employees. Um, you know, so the first thing you need to know is, um, it will show up to some degree because there's a, a comparison. Well, it doesn't necessarily show up, but they, you have to put in the in the the actual application itself how much you're paying someone. So there, there's a pretty easy way for them to be able to figure out if you've actually increased your wages or not to someone. Um, and so, obviously, you're capped at at least the fifteen three five. That's a that's a bright line rule per employee during the eight week period. But otherwise, it's it's not you know 
there's not really specifically capped in any way. Um, I would I would just encourage you to proceed with caution. I know some folks, um, you know, we have a like for example, um, you know, if you've got an employee that's like gone above and beyond during this time, and you feel like you ought to give them a bonus, I, I you know that would make sense. Or maybe there's some people that are hesitant to stay because of the their fears, and you give them some kind of hazard pay, and like Amazon's doing. You know, um, some of those things that it, it, to me, there's no limitation on that. I, and to be honest with you, I really doubt that that uh, the SBA is going to come in and say no to that. If you're if you're paying again, you're capped at fifteen three five. So anybody that, that you're increasing is is going to be a, a less than a hundred thousand a year person. And I don't know that they really care whether you do that or not. So, but based on the the information we have right now, uh, it, it's just not clear. And I'd say, you know, we said this in the last webinar and we've got some questions that are kind of coming through that I'm not sure this is going to answer them all blanketly, but, you know, just use business sense here. Like don't, it's, the more you try to like cheat the system or try to maximize the system, like you're just putting yourself in a risky position. So, you know, everything Chris was just saying, you know, do like if, if somebody's going above and beyond, pay them. If, you, if there's a bonus that's, that's warranted, pay it. You know, I think they're trying to alleviate some of those fears so that people just don't get locked down. What Chris said at the beginning was they're wanting money to flow. They're wanting money to flow. So, I mean, if it's just kind of use the litmus test of like, is this logical or not? Or is it like I'm trying to maximize every dollar that I can out of this thing? So, you know, if, if you can answer those, one of those two questions, you know, you're probably going to know which way you should go on it. Very good. Um, one of the other things, so that, that's a clarification. Um, one of the things, the clarifications we received, um, you know, uh, last week was uh, on the whole, um, all the confusion surrounding the certification and the FDA's, um, whether they were going to kind of look, look behind the, the certifications that were required to be made, specifically the one that, that where each borrower had to certify that the loan request was necessary to support their ongoing obligations. Um, of the business. And so uh, if, if you missed the little update that we sent out, uh, I just summarized briefly where they fell down there was if the loan's under $2 million, um, then you do not have to, it's basically you're, you're, you're deemed to have met the certification, made the certification properly. If it's uh, over $2 million, then they have the, then they are basically saying they will look at that whenever you make your application for forgiveness. And so as a result, there is a, a box on the application that says, is your loan over $2 million, okay? Um, if it's not, do not check that box <laughs> because uh, you do not, not wanna mistake make that mistake, okay? Um, uh, if, if it is, basically what will happen is, is that they will look at it in, in part of the review. They're gonna look at every single application for review is what they're saying. Part of the review will, will include, uh, did you properly make that certification? Um, the problem is, is they still haven't given us any information as to as to how they are gonna make that determination. Um, the only thing we know is what the, the prior FAQ said, which some something to the effect of, do you have adequate sources of liquidity without it? Um, the, the good news is, is that um, if, you, if they find that you did not make it, the certification properly, um, they will not forgive your loan that's the, that's the consequences. And if you repay it, that's it. Okay. Um, if it turns out that you do not repay it, um, then um, the SBA, they're basically saying if you repay, they're not going to come after you if you repay it. But if you do not repay it, um, they could potentially do so. And they could also refer you to other agencies. The SBA's promise to not go after you 
yeah, is probably enough, to be honest with you, because I don't think any of the other agencies will actually on their own do this because of all the gray surrounding it. Right. So I think hey, we're in pretty good shape there. So Chris, and, that, and it's just to be clear, to like, you have to pay it back. It's not like you can just convert it. You can't, if you had adequate sources of liquidity, you can't just say, well, I'll just convert it to a loan at 1%. You have to repay it. I think you have to repay it at that moment um, is what happens. And so, um, so from say that, that, say that again, you were, so whenever they make the determination, I think they'll probably give you a certain amount of time to repay the loan. And then that's okay. it. I okay. don't think but it's a little it. unclear. It hasn't been, it's not real specific there. I mean, it's kind of like, that's the way they state it, but then they also say like, you can work to a loan. So like, if I think Chris is right. I think they're going to say, go ahead and pay it back then. But, but they don't talk about the loan option in that segment of the, okay. Yeah, it, it's, it could be that they just let you go ahead. They're just not eligible for forgiveness as long as you pay it out by the two, two uh, years according to the payment, you know, um, the payment plan that is, is for your loan. That may be sufficient. So Now, I will uh, say, can, Chris, can I make a little asterisk on this that um, I think... I actually made a clarification there, and I, I, I may have... I'm going to... But go ahead. Okay. One of the things that a lot of people are up in arms... Eh, not a lot of people. I've heard some people that are up in arms about the fact that IRS is saying, hey, this is not going to you can't deduct the expenses associated with PPP. Well, this is kind of a way for the government to tax those who didn't really need the money. So let's say you got $200,000 in PPP, but your revenue actually dropped by $200,000. You use those funds regularly, the way you were supposed to appropriately associated with PPP. Well, your net income at the end of the year really doesn't change any because your revenue dropped by 200 and you got 200 in the PPP loans. Whereas if your revenue didn't change any, and you got 200000 in PPP, and you spent it as you should have spent it, but those expenses aren't deductible, it's going to flow through as net income, and that's where they're going to tax it. So they're, they're kind of saying, we want you to use this money. The way I read that when I see the IRS and the SBA and how they're talking about this thing is they're saying, we want you to use this money. We want you to put capital out into the marketplace, and we're just going to make sure that we tax it on the back end if you didn't truly need it. So they're not talking to each other. They're not saying that, but that's kind of the way I'm reading those no, two I, things. I think it's true. And that's a little bit of a gotcha because, because they said very specifically, it wasn't going to be considered forgiveness of indebtedness income. But then now on the backside, they used old uh, precedent to basically say, since the, uh, since the uh, legislature didn't say otherwise, you can't deduct these amounts. Right. But if you did need it, if your revenue is off for a month, you, you probably won't see that tax bill. Right. Right. It's true. All right, good. Um, okay, um, one second here. Let me go back. So, um, what I did see someone say that um, in one of the comments that didn't didn't the um, the Treasury state that you had eighteen months at one percent to repay it, um, and the answer to that is yes. But if it was in in connection with this particular you know topic, um, you know they, when they said that you had to repay it upon the SBA making a determination, they did not clarify according to the loan terms. It could. It sounded to me like they were going to ask for kind of an immediate repayment, but um, we'll we'll see what happens. It, it could very well be that they, it's just you have to repay it by according to the loan terms. And that's specific to if you had liquidity. Yeah. If if not, you not just in general. Yeah. Problem. In general, there's a eighteen month whatever one yeah. percent or two years or something like that. Yeah, well, at one percent, and oh, one other comment thought here is when you look at do all the calculations, it does not look like the one percent that is accrued. Um, between the making of the loan and the forgiveness application is going to be forgiven. So I think you, you're, it looks like you're going to have to pay that very little bit of an interest. It's the per annum rate of one, at 1% on your loan amount to your lender as compensation for them extending that loan to you. But that would be a pretty low amount 
Matt Adam did the calculations for his the average loans they're seeing are in the 150,000 range. And how much was it in interest for the eight week period or the, the I guess it's a little bit longer than eight weeks? It was like, oh gosh, it was nothing. Eight, 80 bucks, 800 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Something little. So, yeah. But anyway, um, so I just want to make sure. Put me on the spot there, Trump. I just want to reference that. Sorry, I couldn't remember what, if, you, if you had actually done the calculation. I thought you had. Um, so, so that's ultimately what happened on that. Uh, and, and the box is there to kind of like, do not check it. If your loan is under $2 million, do not check it. So don't make that mistake. Um, the other topic to cover is that covered um, in, in provided some uh, new information or clarifications on related to the forgiveness reduction in safe harbor. So, um, so if you recall, what we knew prior to this, um, that the amount that you're, that is eligible for forgiveness, let's say you've used all, all you 75% of the loan proceeds for, that you received were, were used for payroll costs. Um, the other, the full, you know, loan amount was used in total, um, and on eligible expenses. And so now you're at a situation where you've, you've, you've qualified for forgiveness based on the criteria they've established. Um, however, because this, the PPP loan program was designed to encourage folks to retain their employees and not reduce their salaries and wages, um, there was a penalty if you did so during the eight-week period. Now, much of, much of this is kind of taken care of by the fact that it's going to be very hard for people to hit that 75% of payroll cost um, if um, they have not, um, if, if they lay everybody off. So if you hit the 75% number, you're probably going to be, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. However, it could still be subject to reduction based on this. Um, and so, so we'll walk through it just a little bit. What we knew before was if, if you reduce your wages and salary employees during the applicable eight week post loan period, uh, from what you paid them and it's this, you know, January 31st through March 31st, if you reduce their wages or salary below, below, um, 75% of what it was, um, or, for or reduction in the amount of 25% or more, um, in that scenario, um, there would be a, a, a reduction in the amount that is eligible for forgiveness. Um, also, if you reduce the, the total number of FTEs during the eight, that you have during that eight-week post-loan period from that in the applicable pre-loan period, and they give you some options on how, what you're kind of measuring that against, um, then there would be a basically a, a pro-rata pro reduction in the, in the loan amount uh, that's subject to forgiveness. And, and, but then they had this really interesting, if you cure by June 30th, then all, then all that's disregarded. So um, uh, a lot of questions on that June 30th in particular, how you, how you would handle that questions about just kind of the methodology that do you, when do you, which reduction applies first, et cetera. So they did answer some of that, those questions as well. Um, so, so let's just, let's walk through it a little bit. So on the forgiveness uh, reduction based upon wages, salary and wages paid, they clarified that um, that reduction occurs first. So, um, so they, you essentially, verse, you, you, you take the dollar for dollar reduction on a per, per employee basis. And it's the, the, the clarification is they look at this, here's that made this somewhat clear, but basically what the application is, it requires you to list out every employee that you, that you paid salary and wages to uh, during the eight week period that's post loan, uh, whether it's the equitable payroll period or just the eight week, true eight week period. Um, and, and you look at what you paid them, those employees before during um, 
the the first the first quarter of the year, and compare that to uh, what you paid them during the eight week period, and there's a dollar for dollar reduction in amount forgiven for each employee. Okay, you basically take the amount the difference for each employee, add it up into the aggregate, and that amount comes off your loan forgiveness. Um, you know, to the extent it's below twenty five, it's you're paying them less than seventy five percent of what you're paying them before. Um, so a couple of things that come out of that is that if you had an employee that, that wasn't, um, that did not work, that you had working for you during the first quarter, but did not uh, have them working for you during the eight week post loan period, then that employee is disregarded. You don't even pay any attention to that. Um, and if you have a new employee um, that you hire that did what didn't work during the first quarter, then that, that, that employee is, is disregarded basically because there's, there's no, there's no, no, no prior wage amount to compare them to. Um, and so, so we understand that. Um, and the other thing they clarified was, and this is, this is probably the, the trickiest part. It carries that made it clear that there's a reduction. In, if you had a reduction in wages or salary that occurred during that February 15th to April 26th period. Okay. That's the part that can be cured. Okay. But that reduction is disregarded. As long as you get their, that employee's salary and wages back up to 75% of their February 15th pay as of June 30th, which is interesting because that date is actually for some folks, for many folks, um, it, it will actually be beyond the eight week, eight week period. Um, and for some other folks, it'll be during the eight week period. So it's a very interesting thing. Um, I, I think again, if you're, we've, we've been trying to encourage folks to hire folks back to get to that 75% number. Um, and, and for that, per, you know, for those folks, it forces them to basically keep them on the entire per, period to at least June 30th. Um, and so if you rehire them, so it, that's the key is like, we've all made decisions already based on the information we had. Most people rehired folks and started paying them even if they weren't working, some of them. And the key, the, the issue here is you're only going to get that considered, that's only going to go to your benefit and you're going to disregard any wage decrease if they're still working for you as of June 30th. So that's, that's, that's a key piece of information that we did not have. We did not know how long you had to retain them um, in order to qualify for that safe harbor. Um, and that also goes, so that, that'll, that, that, um, so that helped a lot to kind of clarify, but it's still, it's a little bit problematic for some folks. Um, on the forgiveness reduction, say part related to number of full-time equivalent employees, they, one of the things, the big pieces, pieces of new information was they clarified how you calculate the number of full-time equivalent employees. And, um, and Adam, why don't you give them a little bit of a uh, summary as to how they did that. It's, it, it is a little bit complicated. Yeah, actually, yeah, you teed me up for not being able to say it's a simple one, Chris. So I was going to say this is probably more of an easy answer here. Um, and maybe you know more than me, but the way I've read this is they are using the 40-hour number. I feel like the government, depending on what they're wanting to use uh, for different calculations for them, whether it's insurance or PV forgiveness, chooses a different one. But for this, it's total hours divided by 40. And then uh, salary, I believe it's salary, right, Chris? It compares just to the previous salary period that you had or the previous salary employees that you had prior to it. So, um, you know, your salaries compared to salaries and then your hourly is just total hours divided by 40. Now, Chris has talked about this a couple of times, but there's, there's really two coverage periods. One is the eight week prior to this happening, the February 15th date. They're also allowing the eight weeks, uh, the similar eight weeks in the previous year. 
right, Chris, is the way I understand you know, it? it, it there, there's several different time periods you can compare to. You get to add some more. Yeah, you get to elect which one you want to. So like you look, you definitely look at what your full-time equivalent number is during the eight-week period, uh, whether that's the eight true eight weeks after you get the loan proceeds or the alternative payroll covered period. You're, but the number you're comparing that to pre-loan, the pre-loan period, is different based upon it's basically you have two different options for most folks, but seasonal employers have a third. So you just have to kind of right, seasonal employees. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, ultimately you've got a period that prior to um, the loan that you're comparing it to. Yeah. Sorry, we're trying to speed through these answers, guys, to get some time for the Q and A. Paul's giving us a clock over here, telling us how much time we've got left to answer these things. <laughs> Does, was there another one, Chris, or do we would jump to the Q and A? No, yeah. So the, that's that's in essence. I the, the point of the, some of the new for information on the FTE reduction in Safe Harbor um, is that this one's not tied to specific employees, except with some uh, one limitation here. I'll, I'll mention in a minute. Um, but and the reduction in the number of FTEs um, during just like before, it's it's like with the wage the wage and and, lay, and, and salary reduction. Any reduction in FT, number of FTEs during the February 15th to April 26th period that occurs is disregarded if you bring your total number of FTEs up to um, what the February 15th number was as of June 30th. But that's so, just the percentage of forgiveness. Your total dollars towards the 75% can count towards any employees that you're currently paying in that payroll period, correct? The dollar issue is a different question, so just hold, put that right. aside for a second. So, it's, so once you've calculated the number, the reduction based on wages and salary, which we just kind of walked through a little bit, um, you then basically create a ratio. Um, the number of, of full-time equivalent employees you have during the eight-week period, okay, is on top of that ratio, and the bottom is what you the total number of FT employees in the applicable pre-loan period. Okay, that ratio then is applied is multiplied uh, against um, the your your otherwise eligible to forgiveness number once it's including the reduction for the wages and salary. Okay? The dollar amounts. So that goes back to what we were saying. If you dollar did amount. get a bonus or if you did get oh, a pay raise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you've got pay you got to payroll costs. Um, you know all these numbers that are eligible for forgiveness. Okay, these expenses. So that this is your eligible forgiveness without any reduction. So then you take off it, uh, subtract any reduction based upon wages and, and salary uh, decreases, okay? And that gives you a number. And that number right there is what you multiply by the ratio I just described. You know, the right. ratio of full-time equivalent employees during the eight-week period over, over top of the, the number of full-time equivalents prior to whatever applicable period prior to the loan. Um, and then again, that right there, um, the number of em employees and stuff, if you bring them back on as of, uh, you know, June, the, if you look at the total number of employees you have as of June 30th and it's back to the February 15th number, then you're, then you're, you're good. You're you get hundred percent of the 75% that you spent yeah, yeah, or above. Whatever, yeah. Whatever the, the number was after their salary wage reductions. But you're, so you're, the other thing too is they clarified, and there was some FAQ that clarified this. If you go to someone and ask them to to um, uh, to come back, and they say no, we're not going to, we're scared, whatever, uh, you're not penalized for that, and you're not. But you're also not penalized if you fire someone for cause, or if someone comes to you and asks for just a reduction in the, the number of hours they work because of their on their own volition. Um, and so, so that's another clarification that we have here. Yeah. So. All best for hey. us to jump in. 
Well, I just want to ask you a question, Adam. Um, I know that you had, you guys have a tool. A lot of people downloaded it from the last webinar. Um, do you plan to update that with some of the stuff that we're just talking about? You know, is, is that something that will be all these calculations? Sounds like a lot. Is that right. possible to put in the tool that you guys built? Do you plan to? We are, yes. We're gonna we're gonna update it. One the stance we're taking today is just because when this first came out, the application changed about four times in about a six day period. Yeah that we're just waiting. So what typically happens is, yeah, not typically, this is so atypical, I shouldn't say that. Uh, what, what we believe is gonna happen is they're gonna drop this initial application out and just like the 46 FAQs that we've got uh, associated with the loan, we're gonna have a whole bunch of questions about what's this mean or what's this, if this, then that mean. Um, I mean, even today we've thrown a lot of data at you all that is, is challenging to, to reconcile against. And so what yeah. I think is gonna happen is they're gonna clarify it a little bit more as they clarify it, as they get to what they're actually giving to the banks to put online, we're going to update our calculator, make sure we get that out to everybody. Yeah. And we'll, we will republish when Adam submits it to us, we'll republish it. We'll email it to everybody so that everybody can go, you know, look at it, download it and use it once again. And so we've got about um, 18 minutes. I'd love to get, we've got eight questions still open. Uh, I think we may have kind of answered them, but it'd be good to just run through them again. Um, first question is, I got funded on the night of the 20th, but my payroll was on the 20th too. Does that count? Yes. Yeah, it so does. Understand yes. it. Okay. All right. Now that All would right, begin so your eight week period. If, you, if that happened for you, you know, your life is very simple compared to the rest of us because your eight week period for non-payroll expenses and payroll expenses are now coinciding That's with the exact same, same day, yeah. that 20th versus yeah. the rest of us now are going to balance two eight week periods. So yeah. Good job. And then the, I think just a clarification is the definition of the first day of the pay period, the day that the pay period starts, not the day that they're actually paid. I think that's no, right, the way right. we're so seeing it is the way it's the day it's paid. So, I mean, it actually, it actually says that it's the date of your first, pay, your first pay date following pay date. First the pay date, date they got paid. Okay. okay. So if your accrual is like a, you know, you've got some sort of weird two month accrual to be paid, you know, and it happened to coincide on the day after you got the loan. Well, you know, good on you. Cause it's, it's the paid date, not the accrual date. Yeah. I didn't, you know, that's a question that never got asked. What if you had, um, you know, payroll that had, uh, you had accrued for some reason, you know, you had, uh, you had said, um, for a three, the past three months we had, you know, deferred payroll for cash flow purposes or reduction and we accrued it. You can pay that. He, I, so, I, I mean, I've got, you know, a client that is a nonprofit and couldn't pay anyone for, um, you know, a, a good month or so before this even okay. this got their loan proceeds. And so um, the, the plan, they, they paid people and caught them up today. Caught they, them up. Okay. And that would be, that would be okay. Okay. All right. It's, All it right, doesn't next. say that specifically, but there, there, but it doesn't say, it certainly doesn't say you cannot. Right. Uh, and it, and it makes sense with the rationale of the, the statute behind the statute. Yeah. Yeah. And this goes back to the spirit versus the letter. Like, again, if you're trying to, if you're going to try to say something like, Oh, I accrued last year's payroll and I didn't pay it. And I'm going to use this. I mean, you're probably, it's using the extreme. Come on. Yeah. You know? But if you're, if you're saying <laughs> I've furloughed folks for two weeks and accrued that payroll and now I'm paying them. Well, that was the purpose of these loans right. was to get yeah. cash flow back to the cash flow people. people so. yeah. Okay. If uh, next question is if payroll is paid twice a month, which is slightly more than eight weeks, three days actually, do I need to deduct the three days of pay from the forgiveness, even though it was paid inside that eight week window? No, 
No. If it's paid, if it's paid within the eight week window, uh, in it, you know, then you think you're totally fine. Okay. Now, I mean, again, if you're accelerating pay, that's so different. It wasn't a scheduled pay period. Paycheck. Yeah, that's different. That's a different question. You yeah. know. Yeah, people are asking okay. me that. Can I change my payroll uh, if I'm every two weeks and I want to squeeze another one in? Can I accelerate it and make it another pay period? Like I'm just saying, don't do that. Like just yeah, you know, that, well, you really don't have to because well, that's true. With the new changes, that's true. You know, the law. Yeah, so you know, you pretty much are allowed to even if you're you pay them. You know, let's say right. your date, your eight week period ends on June June thirtieth, and your next paycheck is July seventh. You know, um, then then basically whatever amount of pay on that July 7th applied to you know, the, the period. period prior to June 30th, you're going to be okay. Yeah, okay. You're good. So, so just for clarification on that, we're in that boat. We pay twice a month. So we pay on the 1st and the 16th, you know, and our, I think our date for the end is like June 9th. You know, we, we, we won't run a payroll on June 9th. We still run it on June 16th, but it's through June 9th for the, piece that's applicable to the forgiveness. Is that well, correct? What you probably will want to do, Paul, is 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 out is make the election to start your payroll at your alternative payroll period on the the first pay date of after you got your loan proceeds. Yeah, right. So. so then that will then allow you to that'll cap that should capture both that yeah. paper and paper. Well, you know, thank, thankfully I'm a customer of Adams and my CFO through Adam is amazing. And so my expectations are, she's just going to handle it. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Paul, so, yesterday we were talking through this and Trump was giving him an answer. And I was like, texting him, I said, he doesn't really care what Trump says. He just doesn't <laughs> trust whatever, whatever her CFO says. <laughs> all right. So anyhow, uh, the next question is in a general partnership is the forgivable portion of the loan simply partner draws for the eight week period, or is it SE income? I.e. doesn't include expenses paid on behalf of a general partnership that will be SE income in their K-1. This will include health, life, disability, contributions by the employer, personal expenses paid on behalf of the partner. Can you guys see this question? By the yeah, way? I'm reading it right now again. Um, it's a long one, so I'm, I'm not sure I, I even fully said it. I think that everybody can see the question, so. Uh, what I'm going to what I'm going to suggest there is that it's uh, yes compared to the eight week period is the draws. If if you've got something inside um, that eight week period that is applicable to the payroll portion of the forgiveness piece for the uh, partnership, then that would also apply. But if it's something that's you know done once a year, that kind of goes back to Chris's earlier comments of it's eight fifty seconds. So if you're if you do something you know at the end of the year like a four hundred one k catch up or something. Um, yeah, it's not even, yeah, that's a that's a long question. The eight week the the draws that are being uh, counted towards, which either is the fifteen three eighty five or less than, depending on what you're drawing. Okay. Yeah, cash compensation fifteen three eighty five. You're limited to that. So whatever, however that kind of fits, you know, in terms of payment. I don't I don't think it really matters when you pay that. To be honest with you, if it's limited to that, um, and and then um, the non cash amounts is just going to be when it's paid. You know, ultimately, and so do you want to take do you as, as Adam said, do you want to get aggressive and, and include some stuff you pay later in the year? Now, um, I'd, I'd be the, I'd be cautious doing that. You may be able to in the end. We'll have to wait and see. Mm. Or it may, it may be that they just that the SBA just turns a blind eye to it and like doesn't want to know that whether you're. <laughs> yeah, my my logic there is if you're under two million, you're probably not talking about a consequential enough amount of money. So you know, let's say again, our average is one hundred fifty thousand for a small businesses that we serve. Um, around the country, 
you know, we're probably talking about a thousand dollars. Do you really want to put yourself out there for, you know, a couple of thousand dollars that you might or might not get forgiven? If you're over mm -hmm. 2 million, you're going to get audited. So I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I would just mm -hmm. stick to the rules as tight as you could possibly stick to them. So, I mean, you know, if you're somewhere in that bubble zone of a million to 2 million and it's a hundred thousand dollars swing, then be, you know, I'm going to let <laughs> you make your own judgment there. I'm not going to mm -hmm. tell you what to do or not to do, but. And there may be some opportunity. I, I mean, I, if it were me, you know, I would wait a little longer to see if additional guidance comes out. Like some other will use or find rules on some, some of that stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next one, we use a cruel basis for accounting. If we cut the check, can we hold it? For example, if interest was deferred, can we cut the check, but hold payment for cash flow purposes? My answer would probably be no. I think I would defer. To, I would assume cash basis on these things for right now. Yeah, um, yeah I missed. Miss like if you if you're a cruel basis and you want to you let's say you cut a check for pay for rent, and say you cut your rent check but you hold the check, you don't actually pay it out. You pay it out maybe in November, you yeah, know no. later on. I just wouldn't play with that. I think they're probably going to come back and want to do like an audit. I mean, if you were to get audited, I think they'll probably do a deeper dive there and see if it was actually think, something you spent money on. Ultimately, it depends on, from my perspective, um, you know, what time period that check pertains to. And so um, if it's in the eight week period, it does, it, that's really the number, whether, regardless of when you pay it, you know, the, the portion that's applicable to the eight week period and maybe the, and also the amounts before, you know, if it was applicable to some amount before. Um, so I think ultimately that's how I'd look at it, um, for, if it's me. Okay. Does the calculation of salary include tips? Yes. What happens all, if you, let me say that again. Let me, <laughs> yeah, you look, when you're comparing how much they made before, um, my understanding is, um, that, that, that's all, there's actually even a special provision on tips that I, I to be honest with you, I'm not super familiar with And But if you, if you basically, what it comes down to, if it's a tipped employee and you, um, so all the amount that's being reported as paid to them as tips is going to be inclusive. Okay. But they, they are also encouraging you to pay additional amounts of tipped employees and that amount would be included. So that's one of the scenarios where you can pay them more than they typically would get with the idea that uh, they're, they're trying to get you that because they understand that tipped employees aren't getting anything right now. Okay. Sorry. There's a printer running in the background. If you hear it, I apologize. Uh, what happens if an employee, if you have an employee who quits, yeah, I think you answered that, that, that they're not going to, that that's okay. I mean, you, that's out of your control. Well, um, let's see the way, the way it reads is, yeah. is, 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 does not say that it's fire them for cause. If you lay them off and then ask them to re return. So I've assumed if someone quits and you ask them to return, it says ask for a reduction in their hours on their own. I think that's probably pretty similar to quitting. I, I think yeah. I feel comfortable with that. Okay. And if somebody quits and you hire someone else, that's a wash, right? I mean, that's yeah, exactly. a wash for the ratio to the FTE, identify. Because the FTE calculation, uh, forgiveness reduction based on FTEs is not specific to employees. The wage and, and salary one is, is okay. each employee. Okay. How do new hires, someone that was on your payroll count, uh, we talked about that toward Dollar and Helican. I think you guys covered that pretty deeply. I think so too. That came out while we were talking about it. I saw that one pop in. Yeah. Um, can you use benefit expenses for WT, W2 owners in the calculation of PPP allowances? I believe you may have answered that in the chat, Adam. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think, think so. Yes, right? I think just applicable to the way the rule works. Yep, there's certain expenses associated with payroll that are applied. 
Let me pull yeah. that up real quick. Are um, you talking about like if you were saying cash value of, of or something like that? I, I mean, I think again, it, it has to be actual cash paid out. It, you know, so um, the amount of cash you pay specific employees limited to fifteen three eighty five. Um, but I mean, you, you're gonna if you're talking about you know the benefits, it's gonna be like your health care premium, right? Well, this one says benefit expenses for contributions, but it's actual cash outlays that you're making. So, but, but if you're doing that, like, for example, the, you know, the life insurance costs associated with, like, say you've got an employee life insurance and you're paying that um, and and it shows up a cash value on their W-2. I don't, I don't think that would be included. Okay. And I think the specific question is benefit expenses for W-2 owners. In the calculation. Oh, yeah, that's fine. The yeah. same, yeah. Same, okay. All right, so this is the last question I think that we actually have that we haven't already answered. We usually pay commissions for the first six months at the end of the, of the six months. So I guess they would pay commissions through June 30th, you know, sometime in July. Can we pay the commissions for the eight weeks covered during those eight weeks, or is that not business as usual? I read under their current new, the recent changes that they're going to be okay with that. Again, you're going to be in kind of a gray area there, but they're trying to say, you know, if it's, if it's incurred in this eight week period, then you can, you can use it in this eight week period is how I see it. Chris, would you agree? I would go further and I would feel comfortable. I would, if it were, if it were me, I would, because it's payable on June 30th. I mean, the the allocable portion to the entire first part of the year. Yeah. You could make that argument. Yeah. Right now, there's nothing that says you cannot do that unless there's something, some additional guidance coming out that says you can't. I would do it because I mean it's it's it's, it's paid. Payable. It is paid. Yep. It's okay. Maybe it's maybe it's payable on June 30th, but it relates to the first full half of the year. So I would have no problems accelerating that that payment payment date too, um, if it's if it's me. Another question came in. Then we need to wrap up. I'm a single employee LLC. I have no expenses to pay. I'm based out of my house. My only expense is my salary. And I use 100% of the money for my salary. I only get paid once a month via sales agency that I work with. Just to be clear as well, should I calculate my tax portion for my quarterly taxes to be paid from these loan monies? A bit of a, I guess the first, the first part of that question is single, you know, in member LLC, just him, no expenses, just his salary. Yeah, he capped at 515385, but I, I, think that you could take that full amount. I mean, if your PPP was 20, you can't take it all, but you know, if it was 15,000, then you could take yeah. that. Okay. Even if it was so a little above what you typically made in the past, so based on how we on the numbers. Okay. Um, and the last thing, what about benefits for K1 partners? Can you use those costs in the calculation? Again, it's just like the last one, you know, any benefits. Just like an employee. Paid employee. Oh, it's just the same. It's the same. Okay. All right. All right, we need to we need to wrap it up. Um, thanks a ton to you two guys. Thanks for yeah. everybody that jumped on. Um, obviously, uh, PPP loan forgiveness has zero to do with IT, but uh, <laughs> we're, you're a great host. Except for Adam's uh, spreadsheet is maybe a little technical. <laughs> and, and Zoom. One but, thing, uh, maybe Paul just add real briefly. We didn't get to this because we ran out of time, but um, but the application instructions have uh, a detail of the documentation you're going to be required to submit and maintain. Okay. Um, and so I would encourage folks to look at that application sooner rather than later so okay. that they make sure it's largely consistent with, with some of the guidance they've already given, but, uh, but it, but it is more detailed than. Okay. Than well, 
And our plan is to, uh, uh, within 24 hours, we'll get you an email with um, a link to this recorded webinar, a link to the audio version of it, a link to the application. Um, we don't have any non-answer questions, so we don't have that. And um, once uh, Adam's team gets their spreadsheet um, updated, their tool updated, we'll um, send that out too. So that's, that's what's next. And if there's more information and guidance in a week, uh, we'll, we'll do this again. We're just trying to do this as a service really to our clients and friends and um, as, a, as a means to help people um, in, the, in the market. So appreciate you two guys. Appreciate everybody that joined and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, right. Thanks.